Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 17. We're going to be looking at verses 5 and 6 this morning. We're jumping into the middle of a conversation. I probably could have included this in last week's text, but I felt like it merited its own discussion. But we'll be referring back to, to last week and make it all hang together, hopefully, by God's grace. And here's what God's Word says from Luke 17, 5 and 6. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed... You could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Well, that's an astounding statement from God's Word. And may God grant us insight into what he means here. You see here, the disciples asked the Lord to increase their faith, and faith is very important. There's a lot of people today who believe that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere in that belief. Well, that's easily proven to be false. If I believe I can fly and I climbed up on top of the church here and, uh, and I launched myself out and started flapping my arms, I'm sure that my faith would have been in vain and I would fall to the ground. Gravity is, is a reality. And it doesn't matter how much faith I have or how much I believe that I can fly, it's not physically possible. Well, the disciples do ask the Lord to increase their faith. We need faith. Jesus' response to that, 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 that uh, request by the disciples indicates that faith is a very powerful thing. Even the least amount of faith, Jesus said, a mustard seed's worth, and you know a mustard seed is about the size of the head of a pen. That little bit of faith, can make the impossible possible. Now, Jesus made this astounding statement not only here, but in a couple of other places, in similar statements. In Matthew 17, he said to the disciples when they couldn't cast out a demon, Why can't we cast out the demon? They asked him. He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be possible for you. And then in Mark 11, after Jesus curses a fig tree and the disciples see it, Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And then in Mark chapter 9, Mark 9:22 A father has a son who is demon possessed and the disciples again cannot cast out the demon. And so so the man the father turns to Jesus and he says this demon has cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us and Jesus said to him if you can all things, all things are possible for one who believes. Now, at first glance, it would seem that Jesus is saying that people with a lot of faith can go around like superheroes, uprooting trees and putting them in the ocean and moving mountains. 
Well, in the history of the world, I don't think anyone's ever literally moved a mountain with their faith. And why would someone want to do that in the first place? Or why would someone want to go around randomly uprooting trees and planting them in the sea? That's quite destructive because the tree's not going to survive that. Well, the context here helps us to understand the point of what Jesus is saying here. And it's a very important point, obviously. It's Jesus' word. These verses we are studying this morning is the response to what Jesus has said in verses 1 through 4. If you'll remember from last week, if we look back at verse 1, he said to the disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And at that point, the disciples say, increase our faith. And why are they asking that? Well, in essence, they're recognizing that they're not sufficient for these things. I mean, who can be so circumspect in their life that they never fall into being a bad example on occasion in a way that would cause others to stumble? I mean, if someone were to see our lives 24-7, we would probably cause a, a weaker Christian to stumble perhaps in our anger or our pride that shines through in moments of weakness, or maybe it's our behaviors in other ways. Or who feels sufficient to go and rebuke sin in another person? That's a, a weighty matter and one that shouldn't be entered into lightly, but rather humbly and gently. And this last thing, who is sufficient to forgive a person who frequently sins against them? Seven times in a day, Jesus says, if they say, I repent, they truly repent, then you must forgive them. Now, many of you have been hurt so deeply that you know what a struggle it is to forgive. You might even think and feel that it is impossible to forgive that person. Well, the disciples, when Jesus says this, know that the only way they can do what Jesus is saying here is by faith. Increase our faith, Lord. How can we do these things? We need faith, more faith. And Jesus is affirming by his response that faith is necessary to be able to do these things that he asks of us. Faith makes what we think is impossible and unattainable possible and attainable. You might think, it's impossible to forgive that person. They've hurt me so deeply. And Jesus is saying, by faith you can, if you trust me, you can. And that's the point he's making when he says, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea, and it would obey you. And it's the same thing with the other examples that I shared with you. In Matthew 17, the disciples can't cast out the demon. And they asked Jesus, why, can't we, why couldn't we cast out the demon? They had cast out demons before. When Jesus sent them out two by two, they went and they did those, those sorts of things. They preached, they healed, they cast out demons. 
And on this occasion they can't. And he said to them, it was because of your little faith. If you had faith like a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain. He's making the same point again. That, yes, it's impossible for you to cast out a demon. You have to have faith in me. Perhaps because of their previous experience with casting out demons, they were, they were thinking, well, we can do this. And maybe they forgot to pray. They didn't ask God to do the work through them. They were depending on their own strength, not trusting in God to work through them. And then in Mark 11, Jesus curses the fig tree when he sees that there's no fruit on it. And it's a, it's a living picture that Jesus gives of what happens to people who are fruitless in their lives. They're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit. They're not exhibiting Christian character in their lives. And it's a stern warning. The, the fig tree is cursed and it's withered and dead immediately. And I'm sure they saw that and it was frightening. And Jesus encourages them, have faith in God. God can produce fruit in your life. And he goes, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will do, he will do, be able to do so. And again, with, this, with the father and the son, the demon-possessed son, the disciples could not cast out that demon. And Jesus says, all things are possible for the one who believes. And the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. He's making the same request that the disciples are making. I need more faith. Increase my faith. I believe, but there, there is a, a degree of doubt here. I'm not certain. I'm not 100% sure. Help my unbelief. Both the disciples and the Father ask the Lord to increase their faith. They don't say, yes, Jesus, we're going to try harder to have more faith. We're going to put in our best effort. No. They, they asked the Lord to increase their faith. They went to God because faith is a gift from God. Ephesians 2 tells us that. Faith. And we need faith to be what God has called us to be and to obey Him and to, to forgive others and to serve Him and to help other people along in their Christian walk and to be holy in our lives. How do we do that? By faith. So what is faith? We're talking about this faith that's necessary and is powerful. What is it? Well, Hebrews 11 has a, a wonderful definition of faith. Faith is the assurance or substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we read, we read this verse, you know, we hear these words, assurance, conviction, uh, and, and even in the passages that we've read, we can think that what is being said here is that faith has to be perfect psychological certainty. People say, well, if I have enough faith, God will answer my prayer. Or, well, my prayer wasn't answered because I doubted. Doubt entered in. That's not, that's not how this works. We can't have perfect certainty all the time. And that's a faulty understanding of faith, and it leads to confusion and pain. You think of the person who prays to get healed, and their prayer is not answered. 
or their prayers not answered like they want it to be answered. They don't get healed. And when they are not healed, someone goes and says, well, it's because they didn't have enough faith. That's abuse. If you think that Christ will not hear you until your faith is in a certain condition, perfection, then you're having faith in faith instead of faith in Christ. You see, you're shifting the emphasis upon myself and my certainty and my ability to cast doubt out of my mind. And that's not faith. That's something else. See, that's faith in yourself or faith in your own ability. And you're trusting in the wrong object when you do that. The most important part of faith is the object of faith. When people say prayers are not answered because of the condition of their faith or the condition of another person's faith, then they're trusting in the wrong object. See, the onus, the faith is not in Christ, it's upon themselves, on the person, on their ability to convince themselves. That's not faith. Sproul says that's credulity. It's kind of like when you're driving a car you're staring at the windshield instead of through the windshield. You've fixed your attention on the windshield, and you know what's going to happen. You're going to have a wreck because you're not watching where you're going. You're looking at the windshield. See, faith has to have an object, the correct object, or else it will lead to wreckage in our lives. When you look at the condition of faith rather than look to Christ, then your faith is in the wrong object. When the boy's father says, I believe, help my unbelief, see, he admits that his faith is partial and incomplete. But notice that is the time when Jesus begins to work, right there. He's coming to him in humble dependence upon Jesus. He's not looking at himself so much, but he's crying out to the Lord to help him. He recognized that he's coming up short in the certainty department. He admits his doubts, but the confession to Jesus shows loyalty and trust in him. I'm putting this matter in your hands, Jesus. This proves that faith is not a feeling of complete certainty. Jesus shows that faith is not primarily the absence of doubts and fears, but it's humbly coming to the Lord in humble dependence upon him, trusting him and obeying Jesus despite your doubts and your fears. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, give me faith. I'm struggling here. That's actually living by faith right there because you're coming to Jesus with all that you are, all your shortcomings, your brokenness, and you are humbly coming to him and depending upon him to help you. You're not offering up anything when you have a prayer like the disciples lift up here or where the, how the Father lifts up to Jesus for, on behalf of his Son. Reverent fear is what Noah had. If you look at the Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of people who had faith, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household in reverent fear, in humble 
dependence. He feared the Lord. He put his trust in the Lord. He was reverent and towards God. He listened to what God told him to build this big old boat and a flood's going to come. I mean, who can believe that? But Noah did. He humbly depended and trusted in God and his word. In Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. You'll notice that Abraham obeyed, though he did not know where he was going. That's humble dependence upon the Lord. The Lord has said, you know, pack it up, leave your father's house and your father's, and I'll tell you where you're going to go once you do that, as you start moving along. See, humble dependence, trust in God's word. That's the object of these, these saints' faith, humble dependence. Faith is committing to Jesus in humble dependence despite your doubts and fears. It's coming to him and saying, you, Lord, know better, and I trust you. Help me trust you more. Help me with all my doubts and uncertainty. Now, you may think, well, here's an, well, some people might be thinking, an objection. Suppose someone fails to get healed when they pray, as people often do. And even though they've come to Jesus with humble dependence, see, you can have faith in that moment. Humble dependence means that you trust God that he knows best for you. Maybe he's not healed you or your loved one. But humble dependence and faith says, you know, God has a good reason for this. It's beyond my understanding. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me understand. And sometimes we may not even understand until we get to the new heavens and new earth. And then we'll all go, oh, okay. <laughs> and we'll say, yes, Lord. Whatever difficult path you had me walk, it was all worth it. And it was all for your glory and my good. That's living by faith. And that goes for all of our unanswered prayers. A posture of humble dependence is a necessary first step of faith and in every step after that of faith. And faith grows as we humbly depend on God because we will always find him to be trustworthy. He's faithful, always. He's always good. Sometimes it may not seem that way. But again, humble dependence says, yes, the Bible tells me God is good all the time, and I want to trust that. And you will find it to be so eventually. Faith grows through commitment. See, We have to, first of all, to be committed to Jesus and his word, to God and his word. Sometimes we want to believe or see before we believe. We want some proof. But God is not asking us to just have blind faith. He's given us his word. He's given us eyewitness accounts. He's given us truth and facts and history. Christ came to earth. And we need to believe that. That's what he's calling us to do. To believe it. 
See, Jesus is gentle and generous with incomplete faith. He doesn't wait for our faith to be perfect. He challenges us to complete faith, but works with us where we are. Isn't that wonderful? You see, the disciples were showing faith as they asked Jesus to increase their faith. They were committed to him. They were humbly depending on him. Why be committed to Jesus? Why trust him like the disciples did? Why? I mean, I know the the father was in a desperate situation with his son, but he had heard of what Jesus had done, certainly, and his power, and he comes to Jesus. Why would he commit himself to Jesus? Well, he needed help. See, if we look at the history, if we look at God's Word and what it says there, and we really think about these are eyewitness accounts that many people try to tear down and reject, but there's plenty of good reason to trust God's Word. Anyone who has trust in it has found it to be trustworthy. And you see there, what you'll find is that Jesus was committed to you. 100% committed. He was so committed to you that he came to earth, laid down his life so that you could be cleansed from the guilt and power of sin. He's done that to you, for you. What should our response be? Well, we can trust him. We can commit ourselves to him. We love because he first loved us, John says. Now let's ask ourselves today, what is the object of your faith? What or who do you believe? And we have a lot of information coming at us all the time in our world today. And a lot of different viewpoints, opinions, philosophies, worldviews, more than probably at any time in history. Uh, at least in our current history here in the United States. All different opinions being shouted at us or being whispered in our ears in the, through the media, through social media, through just the things that we read and hear and see in life. We've got all this information coming at us, all this news Everybody's spin on it. What do you believe? What are you believing? What is informing you? What is the object of your faith? What are you trusting in? What voices do you trust in? There's only one dependable voice, and that's God's voice, God's word. Any other, any other object we might have is misplaced and will let us down. What would your life look like if you were committed to Jesus and humbly dependent upon him all the time? What would that look like in your life if you were committed to Jesus and humbly dependent upon him, dependent upon what he's said about things, dependent on what he tells you to do, trusting that his commands are not burdensome, They're not commands that are uh, capricious, but rather he has our best interest at heart. If we believe that, 
truly believed that and humbly depended upon him, we, we would be obedient, wouldn't we? If God says that I should trust him, if God says to do that and I, and I trust him, then I'll do it because I trust him completely. See, we need more faith because that's where we fall short, isn't it? We don't entirely trust him. We listen to other voices. Sometimes we want to do what we want to do and not do what God wants us to do. Proverbs 3 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That's a great verse to remember, to emulate in our lives, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not lean on our own understanding. We've got all this information coming in to give us all kinds of different understandings about things, but we need to listen to the Lord, acknowledge him, and he will make your, straight your paths. And I challenge us all to pray like the disciples are praying here. Increase our faith. Increase our faith, Lord. And pray like the Father. Lord, believe. Help my unbelief. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for this amazing statement that you made. And Lord, we pray that we would understand it, that the things that we think are impossible, that we would be able to forgive or that we would be able to overcome a particular sin in our lives or that, that you would even save us. Lord, we pray that you would increase our faith, help our unbelief, our doubts, our fears. Lord, we pray that we would test you, try you, taste and see that the Lord is good. And Lord, forgive us for where we have not trusted you. And we trusted in our own selves or in the words of the culture at large in which we live or, or some other influence that doesn't agree with you. But Lord, we pray that you would grant us faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.